Welcome to the Kitchen Table Podcast. My name is Sue Bradley. I have created this podcast as I love a good old yarn. Stories for me are the language of community. It is what weaves us all together. And in telling and sharing stories, we learn what makes us similar and what connects us all. Most ideas come into reality because they come from the heart of someone who wants to create change, to stand for something bigger than themselves. The Kitchen Table Podcast is where we can all come together to connect in community and listen and be inspired by our guests talking about their knowledge and experiences in nutrition, health, growing food and care of country. I would also like to acknowledge the traditional owners and ancestors of this land we now gather on, where we can celebrate together as one learning from each other through cultural practices, wisdom and law. So I invite you to grab a cup of warmth and love, find a comfortable place to relax and tune in to today's episode at the kitchen table. Hope you enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of The Kitchen Table. I am your host, Sue Bradley, and today I am excited to share with you a conversation I had with my good friend, Regen Ray. He is a soil lover and partnered with Farming Secrets to take their business into the next generation of online learning, launching the Soil Learning Centre during the pandemic. He now works with mentors from around the world to create educational programs all about soil. He has been teaching people about soils for years through his online classrooms, webinars and recently launched his podcast, Secrets of the Soil. On this show, he interviews experts in their field and talks about important topics all about the soil. He wears many hats from business to marketing to operations and even crypto. His belief that everything good in life starts with healthy soil has allowed him to dig deeper and help create inspiring conversations all over the world. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did. Well, welcome, Ray. This is exciting to have you on the Kitchen Table podcast. Finally, we've had a few, um, you know, yes, we're doing it, no, we're not, and here we are today. So I'm very, very excited. Thank you. No worries. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me to your your table to have this uh, discussion. It's going to be very exciting. It's great. And um, just wanted to let um, people know um, that you are from Farming Secrets. I can see it on your beautiful shirt there. Look. And um, you're a soil educator and advocate. Um, you are pretty much the face and the driving force behind Farming Secrets. You're a podcaster yourself, which is great. I'm learning tons off you. So this is really, really good. And you're also into marketing and promotions because you do, I know that through Farming Secrets, you do a lot of um, online content and you do a lot of sales and marketing. So you, you're such a genius and pro in that. So you're my go-to. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lot of stuff. So it's overwhelming to hear it like that. But uh, yeah, no, I definitely do a lot. And uh, yes, it's good to be 
the regen ray that I am today and catching the bug of soil health and just kind of digging deeper. And the more I learn, the more excited I get about it. Yay. Yeah, I forgot to, I actually should have introduced you as regen ray because um, it's such a, a roll off the tongue and I love it, you know. <laughs> And there's so yeah, I, much to see of Regen Ray in the future when, when we're out, you know, back into travel and, yeah, so many exciting things to you. But first, um, I always love to ask this question of my guests, and that is, if you could invite anyone to your kitchen table, dead or alive, anyone that you to share a meal around your home table and, um, yeah, who would that be and what would you eat and share with them? Wow. Big question. It's so weird because I've asked this question to other people many, many times, but I don't know if it's, I've ever had to publicly declare this. Uh, um, <clears throat> so it's a big question because my brain is racing with people who I haven't met, people who I have met um, or who are still alive. I think – can I can I be naughty and invite two people? <laughs> Go for it. This is this is just a you know a, what do you call it a um, made up version of what you would like. So yeah, you can invite a gang or tr- you know whoever you like. I'm interested. Okay. It's weird because when I've answered this question before, the name that popped into my mind was Walt Disney, and I don't know I don't know what it is that really fascinates me about the brand that they built, I guess it's from like the marketing. I also know that like through his story, um, he was always kind of deemed as someone who was never going to amount to much. And during his education, um, you know, he's a little bit uh, ungifted, I guess. And I think like there was a really nice FU moment to the world when he built Disneyland and and the the Mickey Mouse um, empire that he has. So I just think I would really love to ask a little bit more questions of that resilience. Like what, you know, when you've got everyone telling you that you're not going to amount to much and not get kind of do very much with your life and then to create one of the world's kind of biggest brands and places of so much happiness and and uh, a lot of the business lessons that have come from the Disney World um, franchise and enterprise, I think is really, really uh, a true testament. So just kind of picking someone's brain of understanding that that resilience and so forth. My second person who's still alive would probably be Elon Musk um, just because of the way that he is such a pusher of boundaries and really want to pick his brain a little bit more of what he refers to as like first, um, first principles thinking, which is, you know, the way that he's been able to reinvent the space industry and the battery industries by empowering his staff to rethink if we didn't have batteries, what would they look like? Because we as humans have this uh, um, co- comfort in what we already know. So, you know, if people were to reinvent the wheel, they would make it round because that's the model that we kind of think is what needs to be. But there are a lot of researchers out there now kind of designing all these wheels that look like something from the future. Um, and so that first principles thinking, I think, is really uh, interesting to me. And I would just kind of... Um, yeah, and yeah, so they're, they're the two people that come to mind. Um, That'd be I an interesting like, combination. Can you imagine them together, like two different generational times in history? Yep. And, you and know, what yeah. to too is that whole, I'm, I very much say that I'm left brain and right brain, and so Elon Musk is kind of like that logical engineering right uh, left brain person, 
and from what I think is uh, um, Walt Disney is a bit more of a right brain creative, you know, and so it's probably, I just had that realization then I was like, Oh, that's interesting that they kind of feel like two different parts of the hemisphere of the brain um, kind of coming together. Yeah. Well, what question would you ask them? Um, yeah, I think from, from Walt Disney's point of view, um, it would be, uh, like that resilience, like how did you keep pushing through when everyone was telling you that, uh, it's not going to work? Where did you get that kind of belief from? Um, and, and, and what did it feel like, you know, once, once you got there, you know, um, from an Elon Musk point of view, I don't know, probably the next tip of which crypto he's going to tweet about. So I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that insider trading? Trading? <laughs> Just whispering. Just who you know, not what you know. Um, yeah, so, so I, I guess from Elon Musk's point of view, like I've read his autobiography and when I did read that, I realised that there's many more layers to this person. Uh, I think a lot of people dismiss him as a bit of an arrogant bad, you know, mean business operator that is going to, you know, create life on Mars before we solve life on, on earth. Um, but I kind of have hope in the whole humanity side of things that, you know, if he does successfully build life on Mars, we have got every hope that we can turn this planet around, you know? And I think, I think that's where he comes from a lot of times and he's kind of misunderstood is that he wants to know how to, remove carbon from the air in Mars so he can also solve that problem here on Earth, you know, I hope, mm. I hope. And so that's what I would ask you, but like if you solve this problem on Mars, are you going to keep the technology here on Earth, you know? Uh, I think I think the reason why he does speak about Mars so much is because it is that first principles theory of like let's not think about how you would solve this problem here on Earth. How would you solve it if everything you knew on Earth doesn't exist? And I think from that kind of thinking – uh, we will solve the problems locally as well. I know it's a big topic that one, isn't it? Climate and how how do we move forward with all the climatic events happening? What what can we do? But before we leave this subject, you're not escaping yet. What would you we... serve for dinner or lunch or breakfast? <laughs> what would the meal be? Wow, <laughs> too many <laughs> options. <laughs> I know. It would definitely not be fake meat. <laughs> I know what it won't be. Um, yeah, I actually, yeah. So, I th- yeah, I don't know. I think probably my grandmother's lasagna. Ooh. I'd want them to accept my grandmother's lasagna. Yep, because that's definitely something that's nostalgic for me. Uh, the taste, the texture, the fact that it was like all homemade. Um, I think if I'm picking their brains, I would want them to experience something that's kind of like nostalgic for me even though I don't eat a lot of pasta these days um nothing beats my grandmother's pasta so that's what we'll be eating have you got the recipe (laughs) we do we've we we grandkids have started a little bit of a um family recipe book and um trying to capture a few more of those kind of hidden talents and lost arts of making food from scratch so now that we're talking Sorry? We can't really do Some of them are in Italian and a lot of the recipes is like to touch, to taste, you know, a handful, like to find a handful, a pinch of this. There's no measurements, you know. Um, the, the art of just knowing what the food should feel like and the texture uh, has definitely been lost in this kind of recipe following culture that we live yeah. in. 
I agree. Well, that's sort of how I cook. So when my mother-in-law comes over and she's like, oh, how did you do that? Or, or you know, what, what was the recipe? I'm like, oh, gee, I've got to write that. I don't know how I could write that down. Yeah, because I use smell a lot and taste. Mm-hmm. And I have my children come and watch me do it while I'm cooking, hoping it sort of transfers onto them <laughs> so they can see how it happens. I'm but, sure it will because it's happened to me. You know, that I cook like that too now and I don't really realise that that's where it comes from. But everything's by eye and by taste and what you're feeling that day. Yeah, yeah. You know, I follow recipes if we get a recipe book and, you know, I just, ah, too, too, you know, I just do it by eye, you know, and it is because that's how I grew up, yeah. you know. And like maybe today I want more garlic, you know, <laughs> next time I want more humor. I don't know, you know, it's how you're feeling that day, yeah. you know. You're allowed to modify, you're allowed to tweak to taste, you know, we our education system trains us to just follow the rules, you know, follow the bounds and it's just not the way life should be. No, there's no rules to cooking, I say. Mm-hmm. You just only when you up. eat it and it doesn't taste good, then you change the rule. <laughs> then you blame the recipe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're Italian descent. So mm. what was it like growing up in an Italian family? What were, what were some things that you learned from there that you've really taken on now as an adult? You want the good side or the bad side? Oh, whatever you feel like today sharing, right? <laughs> uh, hi, mum and dad listening. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Just don't tell them. <laughs> in the Italian um, growing up, I, to be honest, I never realised the upbringing that I had until I looked back now <clears throat> as a bit more of an adult in hindsight kind of situation. So, you know, we – my parents came to Italy with my grandparents, I came from Italy with my my grandparents in the 60s. My mum was like three and my dad was five. So that was still very young, but they technically were born in Italy, but they came over at a young age. So they basically lived up, lived and grown up the Australian way. So I'm first kind of generation Australian born here, but we grew up with a lot of the traditional things. We would have wine making day, salami making day, um, pastata, tomato sauce making day, um, and everything in between, everything kind of grew in the backyard. I've uh, made a little video on YouTube, which is a tour of my grandparents' backyard. And it's very similar to what, um, you know, the permaculture movement is of like retro suburbia. Like this is out of suburbs of Melbourne and the backyard has no grass. It's all veggie patches with, you know, concrete pathways in the middle. And both my grandparents on my mum's side and dad's side definitely had a large amount of land put aside to... Uh, grow veggies and and produce and so everything was very much in season everything was cooked in bulk put in the freezer like all my family members have multiple freezers at home because that's just what you do you got to have the freezer stocked up with last season's broccoli and fava beans and everything in between you know and so that's kind of what I grew up with but there was a lot of um arguing as well so at all those days There was my grandfather wanting to do it his way, my grandmother yelling at him that he's doing it wrong, and then my dad intervening, then my uncle kind of coming in. So those days, as much as they were meant to be amazing, they also come with a lot of negative connotations, which I'm still working through with my psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) I love your honesty, Ray. That's really cool. I think a lot of people can relate that to um, with family growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's – now, in hindsight, I, I, I see the um, beauty in it and I love the fact that people from all around the world are going to like salami making workshops and taking a real vested interest in 
you know, being part of that food movement and slow food, you know, it's not just instant gratification off a shelf in a supermarket. And so when you're involved from that whole backyards to plate um, movement, it, it is very special. And I took it all for granted when I was younger and now seeing that people really get excited about that and see it as like an, an absolute privilege to go to a workshop and they're paying money to have stuff that I had access to is just my upbringing, which I had linked to negative connotations of like what arguments going to happen today, which broom's going to go flying across the, the, the garage. Um, Cause all garages in Italian culture are kind of converted into outdoor kitchens. So a lot of the cooking and preserving uh, of olives and, and, and everything like that is, is all done in the garage. It's not a, not a place for cars. It's a place for storing produce and tomato sauce bottles and, and all the equipment to, to cycle through the different seasons. Yeah, I know. I, I was first introduced to an Italian family through my husband. His um, stepdad's Italian. So, oh, and he tells stories of being force-fed. You know, you've got to eat the – you know, you can't leave the table until you finish. And the amount of food they were dishing up was like, oh, my gosh, I don't think I can fit. And you had to be polite to, you know, but, but the food is just – oh, it's one of my favourites, Italian food. Favourites. Yeah. But, um, and from Italian culture, love language is food. You know, food is love language. And so I didn't grow up, grow up in a household where there was a lot of I love you's thrown around. It was his lasagna, his cannoli, his, yeah. you know, there was food as the love language. Yeah. And I suppose too, they've um, different generation, different country. They've come out here as migrants. So completely different language, um, community and fitting in. Did they come into a community that was that had an Italian influence or were they pretty much on their own coming here? Did they know any family when they moved out? So as far as I understand it, my grandfather got on a ship and said see you later to his wife and three kids at the time and he may have come here with his brother and it took months to get here. And this is what blows my mind sometimes. I think, you know, we complain because the Uber driver is, you know, 10 minutes late. But the, you know, my grandparents got on a boat with no communication. There was no internet. There was no nothing. It was a telegram when you arrived and a whole lot of hope that everything is going to work out. So they get on a boat and sail across the world and come to this land of the unknown called Australia. And I assume once my grandfather got here, he sent a telegram back, which probably took weeks also to say I've arrived and all is safe and now I need to find a place to call new home. And then once they find that, my grandmother gets on a boat with her kids and then comes on that same trip that takes months as well. You know, so I think, you know, from that, that point of view, um, <clears throat> I just often reflect on that as an event of, um, yeah, it's just, I don't think I could do that today. You know, with the use of just being instantly connected, you don't hear from someone for, you know, 10 minutes after when you're meant to meet and you just, you know, where are you? Are you okay? Is everything okay? Like what's happened? You know, there's this real anxiety when someone's 10 minutes late. Imagine having months without any con contact at all. Um, and, and yeah, so, so yeah, so I think that's kind of, you know, what started our, our, our community here. They went into the Northern suburbs of Melbourne and that was very highly populated then of the Italian community. And so there are certain pockets where uh, during that time, the Italian community kind of built up. But as I grew up, my grandparents always had people popping into the yard, yelling out, you know, coming to collect eggs or to swap produce who had, you know, some too many apricots, swapping it for a bag of olives and all that kind of trade barter economy 
was definitely, you know, kind of what was happening in, in the community. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing now. And um, you talk about permaculture life and that's really become a forefront of people's um, topics at the moment is how we live in community and these food swaps, seed swaps, seed libraries seem not so new but we're going back to what people were doing in in those days of our grandparents so we're really wanting that to come back so was that an influence in your um your journey through soil and farming and your love because what you what you do now is incredible in education there must have been Mm. some sort of moment in your life that projected you into this journey where did that start it's not as glamorous as you may think because I think growing up very early adopter of the internet, I became to like the world is your oyster kind of mentality. And like I got online very early, early adopter of all that kind of technology and kind of saw that everything was possible. And so I would think, why do I want to just stay in this, you know, small kind of village community when I could go out there and, and change the world? And I did go down the whole um, corporate model, you know, I think it, I think from my personality type, I need to do something and then realize I don't like it or, you know, I need to feel it myself. And so I did go into the whole corporate world and work extremely hard and be very dissatisfied with chasing the things and the things could be a pay rise or a promotion or, um, a new car or, you know, a property, um, you know, very materialistic kind of lifestyle. And then kind of having that aha moment of going, what is all this for? You know, we come with nothing, we leave with nothing. All we have is this kind of life that we, um, that we experience and it's really up to us to make the most of it. So I kind of had like a semi quarter life crisis where it was like, you know, quit the job, quit, you know, get rid of like a lot of the uh, debt and, and, and stuff and then go and find something that was a little bit more impactful and, and meaningful. And that's, kind of around the time that I met Helen and Hugo at Farming Secrets when I was working at an online education company. And I really then started kind of doing more like value-based decision-making and saying, do, do the values of the things that I own or engage with align with my values? Um, and I then started doing a lot more value-based thinking, a book that kind of really drove that home for me, which I had read a few years before that was the Simon Sinek book starts with why. And that really kind of made me think about what's my why filter and are the things and people in my life aligning with that. Um, and I use that as a, you know, as a, as a, as a decision-making tool. Um, and that's why I'm very public about my values and my mission and my whys, they're all on my website. So people can filter before they even book a meeting with me or before they even hang out with me or come into my world, they can see what I stand for. And it's either we align or we don't, you know, I have my personality tests publicly available. I've got nothing to hide. I'm an open book. It's like, come there, see it. If you're, you know, the yin to my yang, then let's make some magic happen. You know, So. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It was, well, when I came across Farming Secrets for the first time, I'm like, wow, there's, you know, for me it was such an, an opening of learning more about what is happening in Australia and connecting to those who are doing um, regenerative or living and caring for country through the food system and it was such a great platform to find. 
Um, so what are some of the things that you do through Farming Secrets that help help others? Is it, it's both farmers that you help and consumers. It's the whole, the whole story of people. Yeah, and that's one of the – so Farming Secrets um, is a very strong brand and has been operating for over 10 years with Helen and Hugo really at the forward thinking of – this movement of farming with our chemicals and nurturing the soil and really taking care of the soil first. You know, again, also very early adopters to this movement. And and, and that's one of the reasons why we launched the Soil Learning Centre is because we didn't want it to be just for farmers. We wanted it to be for anyone who identified as someone who cared for the soil, which we call soil lovers. So if you're a soil lover and you really want to nurture the soil, whether that be in your own backyard, whether it be you know, you supporting a farmer who is regenerating their land by being a consumer and buying directly from the farmer, by even educating yourself what this regenerative movement is all about and putting the soil first, that's really the community that we want to talk to. And so we have uh, a a virtual online community of like-minded soil lovers who hang out and we sit in a virtual classroom and we mastermind and we help each other through our business mentoring and, um, you know, last week we watched a documentary together and then shared our key takeaways of this documentary. Um, we do fun things like that just to make sure that we are in the same safe space of like-minded people. One of the things I discovered when I came into this industry is that a lot of people felt alone and isolated. Even though they're connected to so many people, they, their neighbours weren't on the same page as them. So they were the crazy farmer who wasn't cutting their grass and doing cover cropping and not using a tiller and exploring biodynamics and nurturing the soil. And they were the crazy woo-woo hippie farmers in the land, in the area. And now they wear that as a badge of honour. Like we say, embrace that uniqueness because you're going to be the pioneer of the change in your community that the community so desperately needs. And it's starting to happen, that tipping point of the farmers who are about to lose everything because they're in their eyeballs with debt. They can't make yields meet. They're buying more chemicals than what they've ever bought to put on the food. They don't even eat the foods they grow because they don't feel so aligned with it anymore. And they're starting to knock on the neighbor's fence and say, your paddocks are so green when mine are brown. What are you doing differently? And they're like, oh, you know that woo-woo biodynamic crazy fertilizer stuff that, you know, you know, worm juice that we were doing, that's what's working for us, you know? And so we want farmers to embrace that unique woo-woo stuff and really know that that's what's going to set us apart and really save us from, 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 you know, civilization collapse. Cause if our food runs out, it's, it's absolutely disastrous. And that's why, you know, I have caught on to this bug so much because I can see, you know, that soil is, the foundation that everything kind of comes off, you know, it's out of sight and out of mind. And that's why we've forgotten about it for so long, but now it's really our duty to, to shed light on it. And as you mentioned, my podcast before it's called secrets of the soil. And it's a podcast that gives our soils a voice. You know, I want custodians of the land caretakers, first nation to really come out and speak about what our soils need us to do um, and educate everyone else to go, wow, I never knew how important soils play in our survival mm. and that that's really you know we we went, went <clears throat> we went as far as changing our avatar to not be the farmer not be the consumer you know not be the grower our, our avatar in the business is to wake up every day and serve our soils so that our soils today are better than yesterday mm. that's incredible ray and you know that's 
that's where I've come to meet you is through soil, basically, <laughs> through projects of mine. And um, we've both got a big um, concern of what we're seeing in our culture in Australia in the way we farm and consume food and treat food and the way we eat food. Um, but we don't necessarily look at soil as our saving grace. That soil is where life comes from. So what, do you, what have you seen over the time you've worked with and supported Farming Secrets? What big changes have you seen for the benefit? And then we'll go to the other side of the um, negative. What, what, yeah, let's, let's, look at, let's do the negative first and end on the positive. So what have you seen that's been detrimental and concerning? So the most concerning, I feel, is a closed mind. So when farmers are continually trying to, and not say, just say growers, anyone who's growing food, fibre or fuel, um, it's denying what is kind of inevitable and writing on the wall. When you're looking at pictures where, you know, Gabe Brown is very big on this holistic management and, and, cover cropping and, 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 and natural way of farming. He has a fence line and this fence line that is man-made is the only thing that's stopping one side of the equation to the other side. And he has a fence line and his neighbor's side looks brown, dusty and death. And then the other side looks green, lush and full of life. I don't know what more evidence you really need to kind of say there's something not right with the way that the brown death side is doing um, and I know when I look at these pictures, I say, well, I want my food, the stuff that I consume to come from this green, lush, full of life environment. And so the one thing that I am very worried about with our <clears throat> current climate is the fact that there is so much segregation happening. There is us and you, them and them, you know, it doesn't matter whether it be race, gender, back status like it's just becoming really really segregated and I really hope that that closed-minded thinking and cancel culture of you don't align with my values so I'm just going to block you I'm not going to even take four seconds to try and understand where you're coming from or see the other side of the coin and this is you know where I'm really stuck at the moment because I'm a very middle person I'm not left I'm not right I like to sit in the middle and look at all sides of the coins I say I'm a big believer that Coins have three sides, the heads, the tails, and the edge. And if you ignore the edge, that is kind of like where a lot of the history and a lot of the texture and a lot of, you know, information can sit. And so I I just worry that we're getting into a society where there is either heads or tails, left or right. There's no room to be in the middle and be like, I'm just going to sit with this for a little bit. You know, I'm not saying that I need to be regen or organic or poison or poison-free, but where do you sit in the middle and to sit there and be okay with that and not let society ridicule you because you haven't picked a side. And that's, that's one of the things that alarms me and that worries me the most about uh, the, the movement that we're in and what a lot of industries are in. I feel like we're at that tipping point where there are a lot of like, I don't know with everyone listening, but with myself, I feel very worried about our economic stability, you know, our food supplies. We've seen a pandemic cause a lot of interruptions to to a lot of things. I see a lot more websites down and, you know, banking systems down. I'm just like worried that we've hit this point that we're expanding everything that too quickly 
and we're not allowing things to organically grow and mold into civilization. So I'm not trying to spread doom or gloom, but we just this little voice in the back of my head that says, you just need to be a little bit realistic to go, are you educated and aware to understand all sides of the coin before making a decision? Hmm. And I don't think our education system trains us to be critical thinkers. Hmm. I agree with you somewhat on that as well with our education system. You know, there, it depends on where you go to school, what teacher you have, what opportunities, what class, um, what money. So there are, you know, it's not an equal spread. Like, you know, people will be offered opportunities far more than others. And I think we're not, it's not just Australia, I think it's a, a unite, you know, a universal problem. But, yep. and I, I, yeah, we're seeing a lot of that happening right now with, you know, we're experiencing quite challenging times that our generation has not experienced, but our grandparents have experienced to somewhat differently. And, you know, things that we can learn from our past, I think we keep looking too far into the future without looking what we've done in the past. I don't know, but I look at our traditional caretakers of this country and I am no expert and I, I you know, go to do some learning and, and meet our Indigenous elders locally just to find out some things. And I, I don't know a lot, but I know that they do. And, you know, I feel that we could you know, connect with, with them more to learn how we can manage this, this continent, this, this country. What are yep. you, you know, that, that, yeah. Yep. That's one of my, my thoughts with, um, so I had a, a farmer message me the other day, one of our students asking for some advice. And I said, your first point of call should be to speak to your First Nation people in your area. You know, before you go any further, let them come onto the land and give you understanding of what they knew of this area. Um, simple things, you know, just, oh, I don't know. And, and, and it is, it blows my mind how much proactiveness I've had to do to go and discover this information. You know, I've attended walks along the Yarra here in Melbourne uh, with First Nation just to understand the landscape better, understand what this area looked like and what we've done in 300 years to create these concrete jungles blows my mind how quickly we're able to just change landscape from an equal uh, natural rhythm to a city, you know, vibe. And um, <clears throat> that happens too quickly. You know, um, I've hung around with, with Yarn Australia, another group that runs online workshops once a month and really, really grateful to have come into that space and to hear, you know, not everything is as great as what the media portrays it you know all these organizations put together after reconciliation and things like that that is all just a bit of a smokes and mirror screen you know and taxpayer dollars going to set up these 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 things that are just a face to to a problem and the solutions are never actually solved you know and so again it's about self-educating not you know i never i i, I may have touched on this in 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 primary school but I don't remember it and I feel like as an adolescent I need to take it into my own domain to learn this stuff and be interested in it um and yeah and that's just to be a better human just to be a more connected um to all the parts that make up the whole you know yeah yeah one way that I feel to and I love how you say that to become a better human that just I just loved when you said that I got a chill 
because I think we all we all strive to be that way, but I think we do lose a path and we sometimes don't know how to be that way and we're all doing the best we can, but for me Absolutely. it's really just going out on country or into the bush, like nature, just away, removing yourself from, you know, your phone, your home, the noise, the lights, just go and just be free on land and just connect because then you can just really sink in and and hear that small voice inside you or the spirit of the land. You know, I am, you know, woohoo stuff, but the land does speak. There are spirits in the land. And when you can connect to those, it's just so empowering and powerful that it helps you to become a better human because you want to care for this place and you will learn. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I, I always say to people, you know, doing it organically or not traditionally or conventionally, whatever you want to label that the way that you farm or the way that you do things, it's not good or bad. It's just everyone is doing the best that they know. You can't expect someone to make a decision on something when they don't know what they don't know. You know, you're basically flying blind. So it's our own – this is why I'm such a big advocate of education and self-education – um, you know, I know that me personally gone, going through the education pathway that I went through did not teach me anything to set me up to what I know today. I was learning things on YouTube as an early adopter of that platform, not to watch cat videos and meme videos, but to watch educational stuff. Like you have a choice, you know, you can turn on Netflix and watch documentaries or mind numbing stuff. Like you have a choice that, you know, don't blame Netflix for numbing people when they're choosing to watch numbing stuff. You can watch so many educational things on on, on, um, on Netflix, you know, and so it's to the human choice, but they don't know what's on there. You know, that's why I share that our community goes and watches a documentary because that was our homework for that week. Cause I like, go watch this documentary and then we're going to come back. And I wrote pages of pages of things that we learned. The, that recording was so good that I sent it to the creators of the documentary and said, have a look at the impact you're doing in our classroom. Wow. That's you know? so good. And by the way, would you like to be on our podcast? And they said, yes, the book to this morning. You know what I mean? So it's like, this is what makes magic happen, yeah. you know? And I love that our feel-good moment can be someone else's feel-good moment. And so, you know, and 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 that's that's what I'm super hopeful for is that I know that we'll get through whatever we're all going through. It feels tough. It feels exhausting. It feels tiring. But there's an inner voice and a little feeling inside that says there is going to be a utopia on the other side. We just need to wait until we get there um, because we'll all be, we will all think differently after this. You know, this is, to me, we can't go back to normal. There will be a new normal and I think it will be a magical normal. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think we'll, there is a normal and I don't think we'll be going back to pre, um, pre this COVID situation. I think we will move into it very differently will exit very differently, mindset, physically, what we want to be doing in the new stage. I think we've had plenty of time to sit around and really contemplate and think. Um, and, you know, it's been challenging for everyone. That's the thing we've all, you know, in some way we have been in it together, but we've experienced it very differently. So we're all in our different ships. We're not in the same boat. We're all in our own in the one ocean, just, you know, <laughs> up, down, around, tossed, suns come out, then the storm comes, you know. We're all in it together <laughs> but in our own various ships, so we experience yep. it differently. 
But I wanted to um, then see, to ask you, what is something that you're seeing positive in uh, the regenerative movement and in our soil care? Are you seeing farmers, more farmers coming on board and consumer awareness of where their food's coming from? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes to all those questions. And that's, that's what I find really exciting is that, you know, Helen and Hugo had the resilience to stick at this when there wasn't a lot of market share. There wasn't a lot of people talking about it. You know, back then it was called biological farming. It was about understanding the living creatures that live in our soil. And it was out of sight, out of mind, and no one wanted to give that any attention. You know, a lot of dollars can't be made through moving large quantities of chemicals through the system. And so, no one was funding the research. So it really took, you know, innovators and um, <clears throat> I guess a renegade attitude to go, I'm not doing it your way. I'm going to do it my own way. And now all these case studies are starting to come up. You know, if you want to see proof, check out what Soils for Life are doing. Um, see what Nicole Masters is doing over in America with Integrity Soils. Like I, I often still get a lot of people saying, where's the proof? Show me the proof. And I think, well, you're not going to see the proof if you have the wrong glasses on you know and so what i've even seen over the last 4 years of being in this space is the number of people who are putting their hand up and saying i want to be a regenerative farmer not for profit <laughs> because it's the right thing to do for humanity and that is what you know gets me out of bed it's like we have a facebook group where people who are growers and not growers coming in there and saying da this is common sense oh my God, like I can't believe that this has been so hidden for so long. Like people are starting to really see <clears throat> that our way forward through the food shortages, through the nutrition drop that's happened through, you know, the food, our bodies, the human soul, the spirit, like it is all linked to the way that we farm our food and the way that we treat um, <clears throat> the food system. And so growing locally in your own backyard, supporting local farmers, bringing that conversation back to you know, home households to directly to the farmer, the number of platforms that have popped up over the last five years to help bridge that gap of people buying food directly from farmers. You know, they're all the positive signs that I don't care who owns it and what they're doing it and who's launching the idea first. The fact that there are so many platforms enabling people to find food locally when farmers markets are being shut down because of health orders, humans are innovating and finding other ways to make that happen. I interviewed Tammy Jonas the other day on my podcast and she said like their CSA model was thriving during um, the pandemic because they were so connected with all their customers who couldn't cross borders and drive to pick up points and they were making magic happen to get the food to all their members. No one else is doing that in the big food system. No one cares if you can get your delivery or not, you know, but when you're supporting a community supported agriculture, which we call a CSA, or you're buying directly from the farmer, it's just a different level of communication and connectivity to that farmer and where the food comes from, you know, and that is all the positives. You know, you, if you need marketing stats, you can go to platforms and type in regenerative and look at the trend lines and you see the trend lines are all up, up, you know, so while, I don't know, there's just so many signals that are, are positive for me to say, I think as a group of people, we have gotten it. We know that regenerative is the way forward. I'm very worried about greenwashing and people putting the word regenerative on stuff that's not. But again, it's about conscious consumers becoming educated to know what is and what isn't. Mm. 
Mm. You know, Harris Arms in Sydney is another model who have now introduced little symbols on their um, on their shelves to indicate whether that produce is grown w- with tilling principles or no tilling or whether it's biodynamic or whether there's natural fertilisers instead of synthetic fertilisers. I don't care if people don't know what those symbols mean. The fact that it creates curiosity and someone goes home and Googles that, that's what we need more of. Mm, Creating I, curiosity. Yeah, because we've been – we've we're so disconnected, aren't we? We're such – on so many levels, we're disconnected from our food source – where our food's coming from, we're disconnected from understanding how to grow food, understanding how to connect into community and meeting members that care. Like, you know, you were saying, Tammy, you know, our Woolies, or oh, I maybe shouldn't say the big names, but the big name um, food sources, they, you know, they provide, which is a service, and that's what um, consumer demand has been. But when you, re- when you have a connection with your farmer or your food um, service provider like that there's so much care around it you know it's not just about the food and your health but it's about your mental health your connection to community it's just yeah it's uh yeah 100 percent. and and it, it i think also one of the things that i want to be a big advocate of is that the power is with your wallet with your dollars like we are in capitalism we vote with our dollars and so we have choice to some degree I know a lot of the small producers have been closed down during the pandemic and the big ones are staying open, which, you know, is, is a problematic in its, in, in its own way. But we do have the, the choice, you know, if you own shares of companies you don't believe in with a loss or with profits, sell and move them out. Change your banking to more ethical banking. Move your super to more ethical super. Like these are the subtle changes you can make and stuff that I've been using this pandemic to, to do and get sorted to make sure that my money is staying in companies. Um, that are more positive or doing better things. You know, I don't want to name names, but there's a bank out there at the moment that has just bought their second conservation park. You know, they're investing in conserving animals and saving wildlife as a business model. I can resonate with that. That's where I want my money to be. Whether I believe in the financial system and how it works and is it full of criminals and crooks? Yes, everything is. But I'm also wanting to educate myself to say, do I put some money into crypto and ones that support more planet positive movements, you know, um, it is definitely about choice. It's about redirecting the dollars, buying stuff that is, you know, organic, um, growing with intention, supporting a subscription box of a local farmer, those small little things, you know, all add up. And if people say, what, <laughs> what I do, does it matter? Well, if 7.5 billion people all just did one small positive change, it's 7.5 billion positive changes that can happen. And if we do it every day, Imagine what that does when we think about compounding yeah. uh, return on effort. Yeah, there's power on people. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so I think you've really set a vision there for what you would like to see the future. Is there anything you want to add to what you would like to see the future of humanity or the way we, you know, it doesn't have to be about food or something that you would like to see more of in the future for humans? Mm. I think there's a big movement to outsourcing and I think we need to start thinking about insourcing. Um, One of the things that I see so much online and it really grinds my gears is when people say, look at this amazing community garden. Um, They should have these at schools. I think, why are you outsourcing that to your school system? Where is that not happening in your own backyard? 
you know, and I think, you know, that was a little bit of a loaded example because I know the community garden work that you do. There are access to bring your kids or to adults into community gardens. You don't have to outsource it. I will support clean energy when the government legislates it. When this policy changes, I will then make the change. When it becomes the law, I will then ban plastic bags. Like we have to stop putting the power to the outsourced and waiting for regulations and lobbyist groups to do their shit, which we know always takes too long and gets completely complicated with who's cycling money where. Just go out and do your own stuff and make sure it happens in your own backyard because that's the most influential place you can have. So don't wait for the schools to educate kids. Do it in your own backyard. You know, put a pot, put one tomato, show how a tomato grows in a pot in an apartment in the city. You don't need to wait for schools to have a community garden or for your town to have a community garden. Like that's just not bringing the onus inside. And um, it's easier to point the finger and go, it's because the schools don't teach it. You know, I don't know. It's that's, taking that's, responsibility, isn't it? Yep, yep. And we have so much access to information. Like none of us have any excuse not to Google something, research something, cross-check something, follow the money, see who's saying what, which is more important than what's being said, you know. So and I think you said one thing that you said is important is just one step at a time because there is so much information out there on actions, but we can't yep. do it all at once. But you, as you say, if each... If each of us take one step, they could be all different steps, but they will make a difference for us all moving forward. And we inspire each other as well when we take those steps because we get excited and we share it, don't we? You know, you get so excited and you start talking to your friends and and it gives them a bit of inspiration to maybe give that a go or something that they resonate with and want to make change in. Yep. And it's okay to do some things wrong. Like there's no point guilting. You know, I, I, that's the other thing that um, I would just want to remind people is that you might have a keep cup and that day you really crave a coffee and you don't have a keep cup. It's okay to get a takeaway cup, but just be conscious what you can do with it. Can you use it a second time, a third time? Can you plant a seedling in it? That was your tip. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me that I one. I made a difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's right. Those are the things that people need to hear to go, oh, my God, I didn't even think about that. You don't have to guilt yourself and go, I can't have a coffee because I'm a, you know, climate warrior and I can't be seen with holding a takeaway coffee cup. No, it's okay Mm. to go off the road a little bit. As long as you know how to get back on track and be more impactful getting back on that track, you know. Mm. I don't know. Permission to not have to fit in that mould and just be human and be dynamic and go with the flow. And some days I have to buy things that are wrapped in plastic. You know, I just have to, you know, but what can I do to be conscious about that, that it makes sure that it has a second, third, fourth life yeah. and it's used and recycled and, and taken care of with, with consciousness. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think we've ended on a really positive and um, actionable way of how people can, you know, just live. And I think we all, as you said, we all know, that like we've, there's been so much education around it, so there's no excuse anymore. But I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot here. Love on the spot. I talk from the heart and not from the head. I know. Do you have a quote that you have that you really treasure or something that you, um, like not a mantra, but something that you really resonate with that's, that you would love to share with us today? It is on my website and I put it on my resume. That is how much I resonate with this, this mantra or this quote. 
And it is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so the care economy over knowledge economy to me is always going to win. You know, if someone comes into my life and they've got a give a shit attitude and I know that they care about a cause, I don't care what their title or their expertise or their skills because you can't teach attitude. You can teach skills. So I've always lived my life with that. It's on my website. It's on my resume or CVs as they call it these days, a bit old school. But yeah, that, 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 um, that quote really like punched me in the heart once and I just embraced it and have kind of always lived my life on that. You know, I don't tend to, yeah, I, I share my knowledge and I want to encourage people uh, to, to learn. And um, what I definitely want to know is that is what, what people don't know about me is that I care more than what I, I know. Yeah. My facts might be wrong. Sometimes I might misquote something, but I'd rather know that people people know that I give a shit about what they're doing and, and actually care genuinely and deeply. And um and that that to me is more important. And that's, you know, I've gone into workplaces and they're like, oh, is this your business? I'm like, no, I just care, you know, and it's always just been a natural trait of mine to, uh, you know, be mistaken as, as the business owner or someone who has shares in the business or it's my parents' business or something like that because I just genuinely care of the outcome and everyone's um, position in it and, yeah, so... So that's my quote. So thank you for that back up. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to have I'll definitely share this in the 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 comments in the podcast. But I want people to know how they can find you and connect with you because you know, you've made a massive impact and difference in my life and I really enjoy the conversations we have. They're very empowering and positive. So I'd love others if they really want to connect with you, how can they find you? The easiest way is to Google Regen Ray and hopefully everything comes up. That's all about me. <laughs> there should only be one the Regen one. Ray. Uh, and if, if there's another one, I want to know about it because it's trademarking. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, the more the merrier, I say. There's someone in Helen and Hugo's neighbourhood who calls himself Regen Rob now because of because of me. And I'm like, yes, the more Regen our people, the better. Um, so... Yeah, Regen Ray is the easiest way to find it out, farmingsecrets.com um, or, and, and the, Saw, the Secrets of the Saw podcast is also another place where you can hang out where I'm having amazing conversations with other people uh, and very similar to this, you know, just really having a conversation around soil and geeking out about all the wonderful microbes under the ground, you know. So it's I never ever in a million years thought this is where my life would be at this point, but I'm having a bucket load of fun and the more I learn, the deeper I want to go down this rabbit hole and I can just see how uh, this is definitely our way out of the, the you know, the collapse of systems that are, that are inevitable if we don't think more consciously. I think we'll all join you down that rabbit hole. There'll be no, lots party. of <laughs> Well, thanks, Ray. Oh, my gosh, that was incredible. I really love every time I chat to you, I learn something or, yeah, just it's just that human connection. And, you know, we've only met each other a few times, but I hope to meet you a bit more in the future. Maybe get on with some of your exciting projects in the future. Yeah, we'll share that one later. First time I was going to Sydney after all the lockdowns and stuff, the first person I came to visit was you. So you're definitely high up on the list to visit and I love coming out to the community garden and, and seeing the wonderful space that you've set up. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think it's very easy to 
always hang out and chat because we're on the same page and we we definitely get each other and um and we're we're all about moving the um the movement in the right direction yeah. food soil health well-being yeah. you know mind body and soil yeah it's a great community out there so join us everyone join us <laughs> well thanks ray um Thanks for joining us on the kitchen table and we'll, I'm sure we'll catch up with you in the future with, to see what other things you're up to. Absolutely. It was super fun and there's no dishes to do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. We'll tune in another time next guest. Thanks, guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to The Kitchen Table today. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and it inspires a new conversation around your own kitchen table with friends and family. Till next time, peace and plants. <laughs>